Hey moms, I'm so glad you joined me today. Welcome to the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I am Dorenda, married to Daryl for 33 years. We have eight kids, we have nine grandkids, and we've been homeschooling for over 28 years. I'm also the author of three books, The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, The Four-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life, and Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, 31 Days in God's Word. That's a devotional that I wrote specifically for homeschooling moms. I hope you'll check out those three books at Amazon or at my website, DorendaWilson.com. You can also find The 4-Hour School Day at any of your favorite booksellers in addition to the places that I mentioned. I also wanted to let you know that you can receive a free digital download of my devotional, Encouraging a Homeschool Heart, by subscribing to my monthly newsletter. This devotional actually accompanies the four-hour school day. So if you'd like to receive that for free, um, please subscribe to my monthly newsletter. I will include a link in the show notes. Also in 2023, I am speaking at several more events. I've done three so far and I've got five more on the docket. I hope that you'll check out where I'm going to be speaking and hopefully you and I can meet in person. Now, if you'd like me to speak at your favorite homeschool conference or event in 2024, now is the time to reach out to the leadership at your favorite conference and let them know that you'd like me to be at their next event. I can even leave a link in the show notes um, to make it easy for you to share with them and they can find me and inquire and we can um, have that conversation. Because the truth is that the conferences, they they care more about what you think than what I think. I can tell them I want to come, but what they really care about is if their attendees want me to come. So that is the best way to um, make that a possibility. Um, I also speak at women's events. If you have an event that needs a speaker, you can fill out the contact form on my website and I'll leave a link for that as well. Lastly, uh, this is something on a little more personal level. My husband and I are considering a trip to Portugal in early 2024. This is really the first time I've left the country besides, uh, you know, Little, little trip into Canada and a trip into Mexico for a mission trip years ago. So I'm kind of excited, kind of nervous about this. But if any of you have contacts there or can give us information specifically on visiting and staying in the Southern region, I would greatly appreciate that. Um, any help would be greatly appreciated. You can email me at dorendalee at gmail.com. That's D-U-R-E-N-D-A-L-E-E at gmail.com. Com. Lastly, I always have to share one of my favorite math resources. It's CTC Math. I have a little testimony to share that I recently received from a mom who had this to say. I took a leap of faith and tried CTC Math for the kids. I kept hearing you talk about it on your super helpful and wonderful podcast. Thank you for that. Our lives are so much better with this incredible program. My kids beg to do their math lessons first, and it has freed me up to work with the other kids more intentionally because I'm not struggling to teach concepts to frustrated children. It is a wonder. I was planning to pay for a math tutor to come over to help, and now I don't have to search for one. Thank you. I have already told all my homeschool mom friends. <laughs> don't you love that? So moms, uh, check out CTC Math 
at ctcmath.com. That's ctcmath.com. And I will, again, include a link for that in the show notes. Okay, so today I wanted to talk about some of the things that I've learned about autism so far. Now, we all know that autism is uh, just an interesting, interesting diagnosis. Um, And so I just wanted to tell my story um, in hopes that Um, because I know all of our journeys look different and they're very, very individual, but I I wanted to tell my story in hopes that um, maybe there's something here that you would find helpful or helpful for a friend or family member. Um, Because each of our journeys are so unique, sometimes we have resources that we can share that can be helpful to others. Um, And then also sometimes just hearing someone's story can make such a difference. So even if you don't have a child with autism, I would encourage you to listen to this episode because um, it'll give you some insight into what life with an autism diagnosis can look like. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a backstory. Our youngest son was born with uh, transposition of the greater arteries and two holes in his heart. We did not know that this was the case until after he was born. So it was a complete shock and surprise to us. Um, Everything else looked completely normal um, in terms of ultrasounds. Uh, They did not catch it on the ultrasound, which I think was a gift from the Lord because I would have worried through the rest of the pregnancy. And I just didn't because I didn't know. And so um, God provided everything we needed for his two-month stay in the hospital. There were several times we thought we might lose him, but by God's grace, we did not. Um, However, I, I recently found out that when kids are born with congenital heart disease, um, actually a third of those kids will uh, likely end up on uh, the autism spectrum. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, so uh, he came home from the hospital. We, you know, went through all the recovery that that took, um, occupational therapy, that kind of thing. And then um, we just sort of moved along as though things were just normal, like they were with all the other kids. But I did notice there were some different things about him um, when he was uh, mainly younger, in his younger years, like preschool, first, second grade. um, He would have these outbursts that I didn't always understand where they were coming from, or he would have fears that we didn't understand. And he had a really hard time communicating to us what was going on. He would just get so emotionally raw and um, overwrought. And so um, those are the things that I noticed. And then he just sort of like seemed to grow out of it. And, you know, all along the way, I was praying and asking the Lord, should we have him, you know, tested? Should we get an evaluation? Should we get a diagnosis? And I just never felt strongly that that's what we needed to do. And my husband did not either. We talked about it. We prayed about it. And we just felt like as long as he continued to make progress, we would just keep moving forward. And so that is what we did. We we continued to do that. We continued to occasionally pray um, whether we should get that particular diagnosis or evaluation. God seemed to just say no to that. And we just kept plodding along. And the beautiful thing about homeschooling is we could do that. There was nobody breathing down our necks saying he had to be at this level at a certain point or he had to be tested for this, that, and the other thing. So that's what we did. 
And uh, we had a few educational evaluations that were helpful that kind of gave us some direction. But overall, we just kept moving forward with him and he seemed to be doing well. Um, So fast forward to a year ago and um, something happened. Something set him off. We think it might've been some sort of hormone dump. And since then we have learned that that can happen around this age when someone actually does um, have, have autism. And... So, uh, you know, it could be a hormone dump. There's something that happens at around 18. This is not an abnormal thing to go on. So that was good to know that we didn't do anything to set it off. It was just something something happened and and we, that we had no control over. And he just started having some incredibly uh, concerning behaviors and issues. I mean, affecting his sleep. Uh, he couldn't do his chores anymore. Everything was completely overwhelming. There was a lot. It was a lot. So I don't want to go into too many of the symptoms only because I, I there's a certain amount that I feel like I need to keep private because um, he is 18 and he, you know, our kids eventually become adults and then their information goes out into the world. And um, we, we just want to make sure that we're respectful of that and we're honoring him. And he knows that we've shared this story with lots of other people. So I know he's fine with me sharing this amount of information with you all. Um, so, Anyhow, so that is kind of where we were at about a year ago. So I'm going to take you through kind of the the steps we took, but I want to start out by sharing um, just a few kind of important basic things that we've learned about autism um, since this all kind of hit about a year ago. Okay, so the first thing to understand is that when you know someone with autism, you know one person with autism. So in other words, there are no two people with autism that are the same. Uh, There are so many variables in the autism equation. And so I think it's really important not to pigeonhole, generalize, put in a box, someone you think may have autism or who has autism. You don't understand that person simply by their diagnosis. You have to understand them as a person. Um, Autism is a condition related to brain development. Um, I shared earlier that a third of all kids born with congenital heart defects will fall on the spectrum. And I think that has something to do with their development in utero, um, with the challenges they may have with their uh, with their congenital heart issues in utero. I can't say that for sure, but I think obviously there's some sort of relationship there. Also, uh, autism can only be diagnosed by observed behavior, which is really interesting when you take a, an autistic person or child in for an evaluation and they're not in their natural environment and you're expecting to get an accurate diagnosis. I think this is a very difficult thing to do, and I'll explain what our experience was here in just a minute. Uh, The next thing that I've learned is that diagnostic labels don't necessarily indicate the severity, okay? So there's level one, two, and three, but the labels don't necessarily indicate the severity, but rather what level of support is needed. So that is kind of an interesting sort of difference um, when it comes to an autism diagnosis. Um, So there's level one, two, and three. Three is the most extreme where they need the most support and one would be the least. 
Another thing we learned is that it's more important to know the person than the diagnosis. Um, The diagnosis alone does not adequately represent what kind of support that person is going to need. So there are just some some interesting little um, nuances when it comes to autism. I thought those were uh, a few really important ones to note. I also want to say that the church really needs people with, um, with autism. We need to be discipling those who, are, who are, have been diagnosed with autism or have autism so they can in turn help disciple others with autism more effectively. Believe it or not, um, I think I read this right, but one in four people with disabilities say they wouldn't go to church because of their disability, maybe because of the lack of support at churches. But that number actually goes up to one in three for people with autism. And so if you know someone with autism and you've spent any time with them, you can understand why they might feel that way. So I'm going to go into sort of our story and the and the steps that we took. And I just want to remind you that there is no condemnation, um, no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And there's no condemnation as I'm this story is unfolding. Um, I think sometimes when someone shares their story and maybe they've made different decisions than we have, we can feel this heaviness because we did things differently. And so I don't want you to feel that. I want you to just hear our story. And I'm just praying that if there's anything helpful here, that God will uh, bring it back to mind. And if not, that's okay too. Um, So we started out, first of all, by um, going to biofeedback. That was the first thing that we decided to do. And the reason that we decided to do that is um, God had brought a family into our lives who had a child who had had um, some some, uh, developmental delays and just was having a lot of issues. And when she told me her story about how much things had improved since they went to this biofeedback clinic, this is different than neurofeedback. Um, You know... I was like really impressed because I had met her son and he was just a delight. You could tell there were some delays, but he was just bright eyed and energetic and um, engaged and all those things. And so I was like, what a testimony, you know? So I thought, well, you know what? It is not going to hurt anything. So my husband and I prayed about it and agreed that we would take him to biofeedback. And so we did that and we immediately... um, dealt with some things um, through supplements and homeopathy to help bring more balance to his body. And that was super, super helpful. So that was a, and that was not very expensive. This was the thing that just blew me away was that this biofeedback clinic was so much less expensive than so many other options out there. Our insurance does not cover things like um, integrative medicine, and that's, that can be another good option. I have experienced integrative medicine. Uh, it can be helpful. I found it to be an incredible um, monetary drain, um, and I didn't see a lot of improvement, and this was for myself a few years ago. So I don't know whether I just didn't walk through it wisely enough or what, but I didn't feel, we didn't feel comfortable doing that with him and spending that money. So God had brought this particular uh, option in front of us. So we took it and um, he was immediately taken off gluten and dairy. And um, we saw an improvement. Well, actually I took him off gluten and dairy before we even went to the biofeedback clinic. The biofeedback clinic 
confirmed that that was a good idea, that that was actually exactly what I should have done. Um, Because my friend had said she had to take her son off of gluten and dairy right away. So immediately when all these extreme things were happening, I immediately removed it from his diet. And I think it was within a week, I started to notice an improvement. So again, back to biofeedback, we did some supplements, took care of some parasites. It was all very gentle, very slow. So we didn't go back again for two months. We just kind of stayed the course with this. And um, we continued to see improvement, and but we weren't seeing as much improvement as we would have liked, but we needed to be patient. So we were patient as we walked through that. And while we were walking through that, we were looking into other possibilities. We checked into neurofeedback. We'd heard good things about that. Um, we had an appointment set up. Um, it was very, very expensive. And as I did more research, what I learned was that um, it was really iffy whether neurofeedback was going to be helpful for someone with autism. It can be helpful for someone with um, head trauma, having had trauma in their past, I think particularly head trauma. Um, There were other things that were very, very noticeable. It was very, very noticeably helpful for, but what I could tell from my research was that it was not as guaranteed with autism. And so we really felt like we should just stay the simple course that God had us on because we were already overwhelmed just trying to live with our new normal. And so we didn't have a lot of peace about that. And again, this is about listening to God's voice, listening to what is he actually telling you to do. And that is what he was telling us to do. So at that point, um, we also, uh, I decided to go ahead and take him in for an evaluation. I thought, you know, maybe it would help to get a diagnosis because if we got a diagnosis, maybe we would qualify for some therapies through our insurance. So we went in for an um, evaluation. And as I mentioned before, um, the way that they can the only way that they can diagnose is through observed behavior. So we took our son, who was already struggling just to be out of his own environment, to an office where to with a man he didn't know, and he didn't want to talk. He did not want to answer the questions. Um, I knew he could, possibly, probably, but he wasn't comfortable. So there was just a lot, there were a lot of variables in the equation that really I didn't feel like led to a particularly accurate evaluation, but we went ahead and finished the whole thing out. And um, I received the evaluation a few days later. And as I began to read it, um, I felt very, very much a check in my spirit not to read it. And the reason is I just, it just, I felt like what was going to happen is my view of our son was going to change. I was going to see him as a different person than the person that I knew. And of course, I didn't know this at the time, but it's, I learned later, it is more important for you to know the person than the um, diagnosis. And so God was definitely in that decision. And um, the little part that I read, um, some of it I agreed with, There was a sentence, though, that I read that I just looked at and said, this is death. This is someone speaking death over our son, and I am not going to participate in this. And so I just put it away, and I just began to pray. Just pray and pray and pray for wisdom and clear direction. However, we did qualify for some therapies, 
um, an occupational therapy and uh, I can't remember what the, I think it was cognitive therapy. So I, I really liked the occupational therapist. And so I was super excited about that. They would come to our home. They would do things with him a couple times a week. And that just sounded like a really good, and I was really comfortable with her. So I was okay with that. I'm not typically okay with people coming into our home, but I was with that. And I was with this particular gal. Well, literally within a few days, she was laid off or she quit. I don't know what happened, but they parted ways. She parted ways with this office and she was in the process of maybe uh, starting to work for another company. She said she would call me back and she never did. I never heard another thing from her. And then um, the cognitive therapy therapist, as I sat down with and talked with her and she really, I think that's what it was called. Maybe it wasn't that, I don't know. So don't quote me on this. But anyway, she sat down with me and I said, okay, tell me exactly what this therapy is. And she proceeded to describe it. And it sounded to me like parenting. And I looked at her and I said, you know, I'm not interested in passing my parenting on to a therapist. Like this sounds like just what a parent is supposed to be doing, not a therapist. And I can't even remember what she said, but it was very much a parent-related parent related approach. And so... Um, she said, you know, after the whole thing was over that she would call me in a few days, I never heard another thing from her. <laughs> so I was like, okay, Lord. All right. So we're just, but I had peace about it. My husband and I, I should say my husband and I, cause we talked about all of this. We prayed through all of this. We made all these decisions together. So then, um, there was another therapy that we were, uh, I think we were going to go in to a psychiatrist, a neuropsychiatrist. I wasn't super comfortable with it, but I thought, well, our insurance will cover it. Maybe we'll walk away with something we can use. And so we had this appointment way out. And so that was sort of um, something hopeful to that we had out in the future while we lived out our new normal with him. And it was a ways out because it was a it was actually a, a miracle that we even got in. So that was a ways out. In the meantime, I talked to a friend that I really, really trust um, who does homeopathy, has walked me through several, several things to root out things like UTIs, uh, frequent UTIs, and um, gosh, just several different things. Um, headaches related to mold symptoms that were completely rooted out with homeopathy. And she's the one who helped me with that. So anyway, I was talking to her. And she said, you know, you might consider using like a gentle detox. Just start with something super, super gentle. So we started with something called Lemu-Z. And um, I just felt like the Lord had sort of plopped that in my lap as I had been praying for, God, bring me what he needs. So I started him on that and we could start every other day. And it's just a little fizzy drink. And it did have some casein in it, but um, he seemed to do really well with it. And literally within four days, I started to see a difference in him. And so that was really marked for me. That really, that really got my attention. And so as I, as I prayed about it some more, I ended up reading um, this book. Well, most of it. It was called Healing the New Childhood Epidemics, um, which are autism, ADHD, allergies, and asthma. And the the root problem, not 100%, but a lot of times if we get to the root of the of some of the things that cause all four of those things, it has a lot to do with neurotoxins. 
Now that's not going to fully, you know, obviously fully heal. It can. Some autism situations have been like 100% reversed, but it can greatly help. So understanding that neurotoxins play a role um, and can play a role in these particular um, uh, childhood uh, problems or diseases, or they're not all diseases, but you know what I mean, these, these conditions. So this book was written by Kenneth Bach, and I will leave a link in the show notes. Um, the neurotoxins build up because of an inability to detox. And I had learned already before we got to this point that I have the genetic um, uh, mutation called MTHFR. Terrible acronym. It's a really long name though, and I don't think I could even pronounce it. But some of you may have heard of this. And what it is, it is just basically the result is that we have a hard time um, detoxing. And there's different levels of this. You can have one code, you can have two. I have two. I'm the second to the worst um, on the on the scale. And our three daughters all have the worst, which are two of the same code, the C code, which they must have gotten one from me and one from my husband. So anyway, I knew that that was a really good possibility for Silas, that he had that genetic um, issue. And so that would make it harder for him to detox. And therefore, he could have more neurotoxins built up. Plus, he had a lot of crap pumped into his system early on. Even though we ate a healthy diet through his growing up years, you know, there's only so much a diet can do, right? I mean, we worked hard to eat well. But again, sometimes we need extra help. Um one of the other things I learned from this book was that there can be a lack of specific vitamins, minerals, and again, food allergies, as I mentioned before, which we had um, tried to deal with. And so I'll talk about that in just a minute, where we went after that concerning the lack of vitamins and minerals and knowing what those were. But I'm going to go back and uh, to the evaluation, the therapies and the closed doors. Um, another thing that I did was I talked to a friend uh, that had an adult son with autism. So she helped walk me through some things, especially when we were really, really in the thick of it. Um, and one of the things I learned was um, I learned about stimming. And this is the repetitive performance of certain physical movements or vocalizations as a form of behavior by persons with autism or other neurodevelopmental conditions. It's like it's a, it's a self-stimulation. It's um, the behavior is thought to serve a variety of functions such as calming and expressing of feelings. And so Silas does a lot of that. He's always paced. Um, that's just been one of the things he's always done. Uh, he hasn't had a ton of other repetitive behaviors until this last year. And I'm just gonna be honest, mom, sometimes it drives me crazy, some of the things that he does. And I have to have some major self-control because he needs to do some of those things in order to think more clearly in order to calm himself, in order to be able to express his feelings. Um, again, that difficulty in expressing feelings has sort of re-surged um, to a, a higher level um, in the last year. So just a lot of a lot of a, a lot of lessons being learned and a lot of um, just continued learning going on. One of the things that my friend recommended was a compression vest. And so um, I bought him a, we bought him a compression vest and he is still wearing that thing. I think he would be okay without it, but he doesn't think that he'll be okay without it right now. So we just are leaving it, um, for now because I don't want to 
you know, rock his world. It's really, um, you have to really pick and choose what things you're going to um, kind of make them move on. For instance, he, he needs to shower every week, but a couple times a week. Um, sometimes, honestly, it is only once a week because it can be such a an ordeal for him. But um, just that that change of of sensitivity, the sensitivity of you know, or the sensory overload of from being in the compression vest in these clothes to being in the shower. That transition can be really hard for him. And so I'm not going to insist that he get rid of the compression vest. You know, I, it's not worth it to me right now. And I don't think it's necessary. Um, but one thing that I want to say that if you have a child that's been diagnosed really with anything, I'm, I'm just going to say that we need to resist the temptation to rush um, into answers, um, rush into, and even if you're noticing some things that are different about your child, don't rush into a diagnosis um, don't rush into therapies. I don't think, you know, we can feel panicky because we feel f- afraid because this is all new. We don't know what we're going to do. And, you know, especially, you know, if we're homeschooling and we're, we're going to be the facilitators of their education, we obviously, we feel inadequate on a whole new level. But moms, the same principles still apply that I have always, always said, He doesn't call, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. He qualifies us along the way. We do not need to be in a hurry. We do not need to be fearful. We do not need to be rushed. We need to lean into the Lord and ask him for wisdom. God, show us, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to take him to therapy? Do you want us to get an evaluation? And so as we, you know, I mentioned this started like about a year ago, Um, we didn't get that evaluation until November. So we're talking months where we just found peace, just adjusting to the new normal and praying and waiting on the Lord. And of course, we had our church family praying for us. And I know that really made a difference as well. Find some people you trust, lean into your local church body for prayer for support. But again, we can trust God for this journey. We do not have to be in a hurry. We do not have to be rushed. We do not have to respond out of fear. Some of the things that I did um, was to observe Silas on a regular basis in different situations and take mental or actual written notes of what I was seeing and observing. Um, you know, I found myself with so many things that I didn't know, you know, like you you just, with a diagnosis, you're like, oh my gosh, there's so many things I don't know. You're just faced with this whole gamut of just unending eternal questions. And that can really invoke a lot of fear. So uh, periodically, I would just make a list of things that I did know. Because moms, even though we've been given a diagnosis and there's things that we don't know, that child, we still do know. We know that child. We either grew that child in us or we adopted that child. We took that child into our home and we have been observing and watching and interacting and engaging with this child. And so we, there are a lot of things we do know. So write down the things that you actually know. And this was something that was super helpful that a friend shared with me. She said, Dorinda, 
Our sons are a mystery to us right now in so many ways, but they are not a mystery to God. Moms, we have to remember our children, diagnosis or not, have been fearfully and wonderfully made by our Creator. And they are not a mystery to Him. And so I would pray that, Lord, and I still pray that. God, He's a mystery in so many ways, but He's not a mystery to you. Would you please give us wisdom? Show us the next steps. And moms, that's all we really need to worry about, not even worry about. That's all we need to deal with. That's all we need to be praying about and thinking about and engaged in is whatever the next step is that God gives us. Maybe He hasn't given you a next step. Then just be content in that waiting place. Make the waiting room your classroom. Observe, take notes, write down what you do know. All of those things will be helpful when you do get in a situation where there will be a diagnosis or an evaluation or someone you can ask those questions to. Okay, so I mentioned the book that I went through and the things I learned from that. Started using the gentle detox. Uh, learned about that there could be a lack of specific vitamins and minerals. There could be food allergies. And so um, I had a wonderful friend of mine who has a son with OCD who is an adult. And she said, I just wanted to mention this to you and maybe it would be helpful. She said, our, um, I think they had a, uh, not a neurofeedback, but a, um, and not an integrative, a naturopath, I believe, is who they were seeing. So that's another option. Um, and the naturopath had uh, their son uh, do some testing with a place called Great Plains Lab. And I will leave a link in the show notes. So I reached out to Great Plains Lab and I asked them about having him tested. And they said, we just need um, some sort of um, like provider, like medical provider. They, they weren't saying a primary care physician. It could be a naturopath. I said, well, I don't know if it could be the biofeedback clinic, but I'm going to give it a whirl. So I had our um, the guy at our biofeedback clinic reach out to them. And they were like, oh yeah, we're totally fine with that. And our biofeedback guy was excited because he was going to learn a whole new thing. So what happened was Silas would take... Um, it, a urine test and he would be tested for neurotoxins. He would be tested for all kinds of things. And then a consultant from their lab would call our neuro, neuro, our biofeedback clinic and go over the results, explaining what they meant, teaching him how to read them, um, but then also making recommendations for supplements and that kind of thing. And what happened was we the results we got back were better than expected, and they were likely better because we had already addressed some of the issues through the biofeedback clinic before we ever did this test. So um, that was really good to know that we were on the right track. So we found out some things. Like, for instance, he actually needed to take some copper for about five weeks. Um, he needs to take chlorella twice a day, which is going to help him detox even more. Takes a very potent vitamin C that also helps with that. It's more like an antioxidant. Um, and there is a link between autism and dopamine, dopamine signaling or dysfunction. And so he is also on a supplement called Dopatone. And all of this was tested with his body to know whether or not it was a good fit for him and how much he needed to take. And so we've been doing that and we've continued to see good results. He's still not back where he was before, but man, we know we're at least giving his body what it needs. Um, we've also really worked hard toward an even more nutrient-dense 
uh, diet. Um, we are mostly whole food. Um, whole food, what is it? Uh, it's basically a vegan version of, it's a whole food plant-based. That's what I, that's what I want to say. Whole food, plant-based diet, mostly. He does have some meat, but, um, but we really tried to amp up that part of his diet. And unfortunately, I know this isn't true with a lot of kids with autism. He does, he is not picky about his food. So we are super grateful for that. And he is not, he doesn't give us problems about taking supplements, swallowing pills, anything like that. So we're, we know that that's a gift and that is, we're super, super thankful for that. Um, but anyway, um, that is kind of what we have ended up doing. And so that's kind of where we're sitting right now. And, um, you know, our current plan is really that we have eliminated many of the potential physical obstacles first, which I thought I think was really important to try to give his physical body into more balance. Um, and then now we're watching to see kind of what is actually staying, what isn't going away. Um my biggest struggle as a mom is really, and, and if you have a child with autism or disability, you understand what I'm talking about, is knowing whether the situations where he won't cooperate, whether they're a can't or a won't, because he's always been incredibly cooperative and incredibly just kind of rolls with things. He's always struggled a bit with expressing his feelings, but not to the degree that he is now and and as he did when he was really little. Um, But now there are situations where he really, really struggles and I can't tell if it's a can't or a won't because, you know, at the end of the day, moms, as much as we love these kids and we're so compassionate towards them, they are also sinners who need a savior. And so understanding what that, how that all fits with a child who has a disability or autism Um, really requires a lot of prayer for wisdom. And also I have found the best thing that I can do is give him time. I'll give you an example. Today he was unloading the dishwasher, which by the way, he is back to doing um, some of the chores that he was doing before. I mean, it really was like... nine, 10, 11, 10 months, 11 months before he was back to doing that. So we see that improvement, but there are times he still struggles to move forward with the task. Something is stopping him. Something's keeping him from doing that. And he was really, really struggling today. And I tried to encourage him. I told him I would do it for him if he needed. And you could tell he just wanted to do it, but he couldn't get himself to do it. So I left him alone and I gave him time. And literally within, it it took a little while, but after my last interaction with him, it was maybe 10 minutes later, he was whistling and he was unloading the dishwasher. So what I've noticed is his recovery time is so much better than it was um, several months ago. Um, And that's where I know these supplements and this help that we've been giving him is making a difference. Um, But he doesn't do well under time pressure and sensory changes. Um, And so sometimes we just got to pray and give them time. And, you know, the other struggle is knowing how deep can he go spiritually and being reasonable in my expectations, knowing that the depth isn't what saves my son. It's seeing that he has God's hand on him and in his life and his sensitivity to the Lord. So um, again, it's a kind of a different filter that we're looking through. And yet we're still using God's word 
as our our filter for that. It's just we're kind of the the way that we're doing that is different. Um, I heard someone say something a while back that was so encouraging. Um, this gentleman said, "You know, parents, we didn't make the sheep. We are simply." to shepherd the sheep that God gave us. And I just think, you know, sometimes we blame ourselves when maybe our our child is having a difficult day. And I have to remind myself, I'm not, this isn't about me. This is about how can God be glorified in this? Um, What does he want to teach me? How does he want to sanctify me? Because, oh my goodness, yes, there is a huge sanctifying part of this. Um, But moms, do you know what a gift that is? We have the gift of being able to help others who have been in a similar situation. We have the gift of becoming more like Christ rather than less because we have this child with specific challenges. And you know, God, I believe that Jesus wants to shepherd us as we shepherd our children. And I believe that, you know, these children are really a lot younger a lot of times in some of their developmental things. And there's a there's a verse in Isaiah 40, 11 that says that God gently leads those who are with young. And so in many senses, even if we have an adult child with autism or disability, we have a young child. And so God is wants to and does gently lead those of us who are with young. And if you struggle with what that looks like to have a gentle shepherd lead, I encourage you to read this wonderful, wonderful little book that will just be such an encouragement to you. It's called The Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23 by Philip Keller. And I will leave a link in the show notes to that. But this gentleman was actually, um, he was actually a shepherd in the Middle East. So he understands the nuances of Psalm 23 and can really give wisdom and insight into what that gentle shepherding actually looked like. And it's just such an encouragement. I think I've read this book like three times. So I will leave a link in the show notes to that. So essentially, our journey has been slow, (laughs) prayerful, tearful, and watching for where God is moving and cooperating with him. And being content with our new normal. This, this, this assignment that God has given us, I look at it like we've been given a mission, a special mission. And so learning to be content, content with our new normal while we're prayerful and watching for where God is moving and cooperating with him. Um, We try to find contentment with this new normal in the meantime, as we continue to pray and wait. I was reminded again of something that um, Wes says all the time. That's one of the elders at our church that I've had on the podcast several times. He said, God loves the process. You know, he said that, and I asked him about that. I said, what do you mean by that? Because I know I struggle with the process. And I would think that God would be like, come on, Dorinda, get on the stick. Would you just get moving? Keep making progress. Let's go. Chop, chop, chop. That's how I think about it, right? He said, well, look at Abraham. And God promised, God made a covenant with with Abraham. And how many years did it take for that covenant to move forward, right? How many years till he had Isaac? How many years until some of the things that he said came true? Um, Same thing with the Israelites going from Egypt to the promised land. 
There's a whole process in the middle. And I understand that some of that was because of their disobedience. And sometimes it's the case for us too. But at the end of the day, we serve a covenant God who is always faithful to his people. And so he does love the process because the process is what sanctifies us. And I think, moms, if we can, we can let ourselves grieve about the, you know, the dreams, the visions maybe that we had for our children that maybe aren't going to be quite that. But I can tell you that they're going to be good because God's plans are always, always good. He works everything out for our good in His glory. Our job is just to walk in obedience to Him, and we will watch that unfold. One thing that I've learned, and I continue to learn, is that it helps our son so tremendously if I just keep an upbeat, cheerful attitude, even if he is struggling and struggling and struggling with the dishes, and he's not really getting anywhere, I say, hey, bud, you're doing a great job. Way to go. He receives that because that's actually what he needs to hear, even though he hasn't put one more dish away. I say we speak by faith. We proclaim victory for our children when we say to them, good job, way to go. Because you know what? He's still there. He hasn't run away from the job. He hasn't given up. He hasn't left. He still intends to do that job. And that is a win. That is a win for him. And I think that's something we need to recognize is what is a win for that child? And speak it out and speak life over those children. Not death, but life. Because this is what God has for these kids. Um, my husband mentioned when this all started, he had prayed and prayed and was asking the Lord about it. And he just, he's really good at having like a sort of a gut level, a, a really good gut vision for what is going on. And what he said to me has been such an encouragement. He said he believes that this is gonna be about a two-year season for Silas. So maybe I'll come back in a year and let you know if he was right, but it has helped me just to have a little more of a time frame rather than it being an un, an open-ended thing. And that was just a gift that God gave me. I know that's not that's not always the case, and if that's not the case, God has the grace for us to face that as well. Um, but I just wanted to mention that because sometimes our husbands say things that are encouraging, and we may not believe them just because we're so overwrought and overwhelmed. And we need to just step back and allow our husbands to be the encouragement to us that God has called them to be because they are the heads of our households. And even though they don't understand all the ins and outs and the fears that we feel, maybe they don't completely relate— they're still the heads of our household and they're still our protection and our covering. So let's lean into that as well. And moms, if you have a child with a disability or you know a child with autism, um, understand that your marriage still has to be a priority. Um, having a disability, a child with a disability really ups the divorce rate. And so that's just a cautionary uh, statement. It is not a prophetic one. Um, God knows. He knows who we are. He knows who our husbands are. He's put us together. He has given this particular child. He will give us the grace to nurture our marriage, to let it become stronger, not weaker through this. And so commit that to the Lord. Commit um, your marriage to the Lord. Continue to make it a priority. So in conclusion, um, I would just say that my husband and I see Silas because, you know, as moms and parents with kids with disabilities, 
you wonder what is their future going to look like. And so we've talked about it. We prayed about it. And what we see is Silas eventually being an independent adult. It may take him longer. It may take him till he's well into his 20s, late 20s, maybe even early 30s before he's completely independent. I think he'll likely be living on our property in his own little house, maybe a tiny house, probably self-employed or employed by us. But we are good with whatever plan God has for Silas. You know, one thing that has hit me that was just such such an aha moment is that this life is just a blip on the radar. Someday Silas and your child will be whole and perfect. This life here on earth, it is so incredibly temporary. These children are a gift to us and they are a gift to others. Not everyone is going to appreciate our child's uniqueness. Do you know what I say? That is their loss, not ours. God has gifted our children and they are a blessing. Never forget that, moms. These children are a gift from the Lord. They are fearfully and wonderfully made and they've been given to us and we have a good work in front of us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for the gift of these children who have their own uniquenesses, their own giftings, their own talents and purposes. Lord, you have made them unique and given them purpose. And you have plans for their lives. Please give us wisdom as we walk alongside of them, as we disciple them, as we shepherd them, as we discipline them, as we raise them for your glory. Give us wisdom and insight. You said in James that if we lacked wisdom, we just needed to ask for it and you would give it generously, Lord. You don't withhold but we have to believe and not doubt because we don't want to be blown around um, by every wave that comes along. But we're going to trust in you. We're going to lean into you because we know that you love us and we know that you love our children. In Jesus' name, amen. One last resource I want to share with you moms. Are you interested in homeschooling? Maybe you're listening and you're not quite homeschooling yet. Classical Conversations equips parents with a proven curriculum and support from a local community of homeschool families, all walking the same path together. You're their first teacher. Be their best teacher. Learn how to make homeschooling doable at classicalconversations.com slash Dorinda. That's classicalconversations.com slash Dorinda. And I'll leave a link in the show notes. Have a great day, moms. <music>